0: <laughs> let's uh, let's go. So we are on Destroyer dock Five. Uh five in the or is it six? Is it five or is it six? We're in five it's, it's five. A five. There is no stop. <laughs> I was wrong last podcast. There is no six. We don't get a six. We only get a five. Seven. Which means, well, no. There, well, there is a six and there is a seven, but they weren't done by Steve Gerber. And we'll we'll talk about that. <laughs> jumping to the end. My God. You're like, we got to talk about the back matter. We got to talk about the back matter. And then immediately you start talking about it before we even start. So Sorry. that's, that's uh, yeah, just anyway. Um, in, yeah. You done? Yeah. No. All right. Never. It's worse than the squeaky chair. I know. So, it covers up the squeaky chair. No, it doesn't. It's just annoying. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> ah, we are in... Yeah, Uh, so Well, we're we're (laughs) Now you have all me all distracted I was all ready to go (laughs) a had a fucking plan for what we're doing And you're playing some stupid ass fucking Noisemaker Sorry, listeners, I'm dropping F-bombs to start the podcast I'm not even mad at what we're reviewing yet (laughs)
1: Uh, I find it hilarious
0: Well, I know you find it hilarious And there's your fucking chair So, like, (laughs) it's find things hilarious without squeaking your chair like I needed, it, 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 it I, I need needed it all be this a
1: thing. today thank you
0: you are just working me into a frenzy you're changing <laughs> me from Howard to Duke as we speak right like it's literally <laughs> happening
1: i'm going go to go train with
0: special <laughs> fo- i'm going to go train with special forces just so i can sneak into your house and steal that fucking chair he's going to be my entire mission and like throw it away
1: chair. i love the chair
0: I don't know why. No, it's a terrible chair. It's because it's because you won't spend like a nice the money to buy a nice chair that
1: (sighs) I've looked at them. I mean,
0: yeah, you've looked at them. Yes. (laughs) Yes, you do. People
1: weigh in. Tell me what you think. Do I need another chair?
0: You do. Here's what you don't need. You don't need anything out of the value bin at the Goodwill surplus. At all, you don't need any of those things. Just don't buy any of those things for like two months, and then buy yourself a chair. I, I haven't. Well, then you should have all the money you need for a chair. But it's like I, I know I should have enough
1: money to just do whatever I want, but I, I just keep buying these things. Ugh. Actually, I keep. Yeah, no, I mean that's 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 a misnomer.
0: It's not true. Well, anyway, <laughs> yes. um, the shatter of chairs. <laughs> this year. Yeah. Well, we are into a letter from Steve Gerber to Mr. D. Mullaney that we referenced last week. That was between issue four and issue five. And we told you about the first page of the letter where Steve Gerber said he was probably done at the end of the storyline. So issue five is going to be a wrap up of, of the first story arc. And then they would actually hand off issue six to another creator named Buzz Dixon. So, And it yeah, and we'll talk about that at the end. So I jumped to the back matter, but he does say in the second page of the letter, my time and Jack's might be better spent developing a new project or projects for Eclipse uh, let's talk this over seriously, objectively and unemotionally when I get the fifth issue script completed. So he's writing this in the middle of, of doing the script. Right. Uh, we also find out at the end that there are a couple of pages in this book that he just farmed out to another writer and said, hey, I'm being really slow with the script. Can you give Jack something to do while I finish up? And Is that to Dixon. Yeah. yeah. And there's some speculation like I that Gerber was just burnt out on the book. Uh, the, because of the lawsuit and everything, and he was he was just done with ducks for a minute. Uh, and if you've seen the Howard the Duck movie, it's pretty clear he was cl- done with ducks after everything.
1: What are you talking about? The movie's
0: fantastic and great. great. And totally no, the movie's amazing. the movie's awful.
1: Leah Thompson is awesome in it.
0: Like you can <coughs> put lipstick on a pig all day or a duck bill, whatever we're gonna call it. But it's a terrible, but it's a terrible movie. <laughs> yeah
1: I mean it, uh, I don't know I it it hit at the right time I, it wasn't it, it wasn't by any means like super fantastic but it, it for some reason it just it was like highly rented
0: well that's Kids fine, fine. it's it. a cult Kids. it's it's a cult classic it, it, it there's no doubt it's a cult classic but it's not I I'm sorry howard the duck fans it's awful um you can agree with Greg if you want to I it's, I, can't, I
1: it, I'm not saying it's uh, like I didn't say it's like it's the best movie in the world. It's a it's it's a movie. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I'm the the I'm I have, you know I'm 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 throwing bombs at the start of the podcast and at the end, but I'm just gonna say the Howard the Duck movie did more harm to Howard the Duck than the lawsuit or Disney did. Eh, eh, yeah. Yeah. Because we should have had an iconic character that's still down now. And now Howard the Duck's just a fondly remembered character that when Howard the Duck shows up, people are like, OK, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, but sure. they should have been capitalizing off that franchise, etc., for years. And that movie, for whatever reason, just didn't hit and you know i could argue you could argue the flip right that the lawsuit caused it that marvel's ineptitude caused it maybe if howard the duck movie comes out in 1979 instead of 1985 it was 85 yeah. right or it was 86 it
1: was 80 i think it was 86
0: but obviously if the if the movie comes out when the character's actually hot then we uh-huh. don't have this issue right so yeah. if it comes out if a howard the duck movie comes out let's see when was nine to five was that in 79 yeah I think so if a Howard the Duck type movie kind of critiquing the corporate world comes out, I mean, look what nine to five did. It was, you know, yeah, that's yeah. the movie that made Dolly Parton. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I want to say, yeah, the the movie, the Howard the Duck movie comes out in the reboot era of the comic book series. So they drop like the first the first original one through 31 comes out during the first couple years, goes on hiatus and then comes back out during the later part or mid eighties. So it doesn't, it, it catches again, but doesn't quite catch the, the same, uh, the same fire that it had before. So zeitgeist like guys wise. Yeah. I, I mean, as zeitgeist, but like, uh, um, hitting, hitting all those things. Yeah. Like it probably would have, um, Caught that same kind of fire like Nine to Five did, or
0: um... Uh, network. What network? What yeah,
1: network. Yeah, network.
0: Um, and yeah, and you look at too. You look at the, the careers, right? Like obviously mm-hmm. Dolly Parton already had a career, but that Do- Nine to Five launches Dolly Parton into Dollywood and Dolly like that, right? And then mm-hmm. it also launched Lily Tomlin in my yeah, mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jane Fonda. I write her off in the movie like she's there, Uh but she was already established. Right. Right. So I don't see that movie is launching Jane Fonda anyway. But you launch uh, Lily Tomlin's comedic movie career Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and really get it moving with the fame there. And you get a lot of really cool things after that, including she's still doing movies now. True. Uh, She just did that 80 for Brady movie with Jane Fonda yeah <laughs> so
1: <laughs> still moving
0: yeah I just I mean she's fantastic Lily Tomlin oh yeah I forgot about Grace and Frankie because it wasn't something that oh. I was necessarily into but
1: yeah it wasn't yeah it was it I, it had vibes it had it had feels of a very British comedy like in a British yeah. 80s it's comedy like uh, ab fab kind of an American so, <absolutely> fabulous <laughs>
0: It also means yeah, and it also means I t- completely forgot about that. I ran for ten seasons or ten years, like yeah. I, yeah. So we'll go back. I'll go back on my statement and we'll say nine to five launched Dolly, as in Dolly, uh-huh. and then nine to five cemented a partnership, a comedy partnership between Fonda and Tomlin for ever mm-hmm. to now. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. I mean, it's an iconic movie, and that's what you know. Howard the Duck. Potentially could have been if so, I can't just blame Gerber, right? Like, I think everything that happened with the Disney lawsuit in 79, uh, Marvel's just complete ineptitude of going through editor after editor after editor. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing where the shooter article might be right. Right. Like is shooters like, oh, yeah, I'm not responsible for any of that. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Right. Right. But he's not respond. He is right that he's not responsible for the miss. If that's what he's saying, like if Howard the duck not hitting at the right time, Marvel's complete ineptitude and, and turning over editor after editor, you know, is probably responsible for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I could see that. And that gets us destroyer Duck, Right. And, uh, and, Oh, you know, though we say that, that Jim Shooter isn't responsible (laughs) But according to the American Comic Book Chronicles, nineteen eighties, by (laughs) Tros Publishing. Uh and, and we did read about this in the front matter of this book too. Uh, yeah. Gerber was removed from Howard the Duck in 1978 for chronic lateness by Jim Shooter. Oh,
1: Jim Shooter! It was your fault.
0: You. Yeah, so Jim Shooter <laughs> acting all innocent, like I didn't have anything to do with the Gerber discussion. Uh, but, well,
1: you were the reason for the Gerber discussion sorry. I
0: mean, he might he might have made the right decision as a as a comic book whatever editor executive, right? Guiding light guru. Yeah, but Grimbor Grimbor. felt his contract had been violated. Yeah, the Grimbor. Oh yeah, Grimbor sorry, I said it comics. wrong. Jim Shooter, the creator of Grimbor. Jim, no, I said it wrong. I, let me get this right. Jim, the creator of Grimbor Shooter. Grimbor. And by the way, I found out after the podcast went off last. I said. Uh, Jim Shooter couldn't have possibly created Grimbor. That had to be a Carrie Bates thing. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. It was very much Jim Shooter and Mike Grell. Now, if you look at the Grimbor art, it's very clearly either a Cockrum or a Grell and probably leaning toward more of the Grell. Uh, But that's that's fine. It's it's a very Mike Grell artistic creation by far. But how much, you know, after we saw that book cover for Jim Shooter. I'm wondering <laughs> how much influence Shooter actually had on the, on the creation of of Grimborn. How many instructions he gave Mike Grell there. Mike Grell was pretty young then. Yeah, Jim Shooter could throw his weight around probably, but uh, like yeah, I that. mean. Well, and, and just noting from the American Comic Book Chronicles, Gerber felt his contract had been violated and his lawyers threatened Marvel with legal action, which obviously we know played out with a settlement in 1982. And, and that's why when we go back to this letter from issue five, we get uh, just Gerber's just burnt out on the whole thing. Right. right. Yeah. They did a thing. Uh, it was cool. They helped launch Eclipse Comics. And mm-hmm. basically he goes back to Eclipse and says, OK, you know, we helped you launch. It launches the first book, launches grew and and you know puts Eclipse on the map with big creators, both Gerber and Kirby. And now he's just like, yeah, let me do something else. Yeah, I feel like that fatigue sits with the movie though too. To me, you think it does. I mean, the dialogue in the movie and the risks the movie takes aren't nearly as creative as what we got in the comic. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. You know more. Now, you have all the Howard the Duck issues. You've That's read them. Tr- yeah. Well, and maybe they wouldn't let him take as much risks in Hollywood. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of. I,
1: I would say probably okay between between the writing staff between him as a as the, the creator, right, and then also you've got uh, people that are recreating it for the studio. So then you got your studio staff writing on it. So then they're rewriting it for film, and then. So you got the that writing room and then you've got who directed the movie
0: yeah so who did direct the movie I don't even know uh, I believe it was a Steven Spielberg movie okay <laughs> or was it George Lucas I it was it was I, it was, oh, under, it was Lucas wasn't it
1: uh, it was Lucas but it was under it was under mm-hmm. Amblin entertainment I believe I want to say like I mean let's, let's, let's I mean since we're talking about it let's get into it right um
0: yeah um, I'm here uh no Willard Hayek I, directed it so okay hike yeah but yeah i mean i don't know maybe we should do a watch through later probably not next week but yeah i think i mean i think it's worth making the comparison right just in what we're sort of seeing here even when he was burnt out on it versus what we get but um gerber wrote it but the director also is a co-author on it
1: yeah okay there's another
0: writer named gloria katz
1: and, and George Lucas is the executive producer. So you've got, I mean, that's that you've got a whole entire film writing production team on it. That's like going to say, Hey, these are, this is the stuff we need to see for film wise. This works great on comics Gerber. This works great on your panels and stuff like that. But this is what we need to see on the screen. And that's why yeah. I, think, <laughs> that's, yeah. I, I imagine that's why there's a lot of stuff that, that transferred over or, didn't uh you know didn't change up Uh, i mean like and you know obviously they they took something that was uh intended for a different type of adaptation maybe not necessarily for film but i mean it's a it was a something that was written for a comic book and maybe to be done as a uh as a um as a as a cartoon or something like that but if if you're doing something in that form and then jumping it into a live-action film and it's gonna it's gonna have a different a different feel altogether yeah. right it's not and like it, those movies that we're making nowadays boy oh boy let me tell you
0: well and i do think like one of the reasons comic book movies but i don't think you have to do this with howard so let me back up for a second yeah. but comic book movies took a while to work because you needed all the special effects to do a comic book movie, right? Like the super comic book movies made up until the mid nineties looked lame. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the powers look silly. Like I'm thinking of the like old flash TV show. I know everybody loves the wonder woman TV show from the seventies, but yeah, you have an effect where she spins around.
1: Yeah. And that's
0: cool. But that doesn't, You need you need extremely good writing and you need extremely good character work for those things to be pulled off. Right. They did Uh, have it. You didn't have. Uh, 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 No, they did not. That's why it only lasted three. The, the, The Wonder Woman show lasted three seasons and the first season to the second season changed networks and they completely changed the setting for the show. Like it was not a success. I don't care what anyone says. It's a success for Linda Carter's career because Linda Carter became iconic off the show (laughs) and people remembered it. But the TV series was not a success. It lasted three seasons and changed networks after the first season. That does not make a successful television show.
1: I just like watching you get riled up. It's fun.
0: Well, <laughs> it's just I love it too. Like from I, it's there's so many great things about it. Yeah, like think, I loved it as a so four if, year
1: old. So here's a question then: Do you think Howard the Duck would have been better as a TV show?
0: I think Howard the Duck would be a great Netflix show. Oh yeah. Or Amazon or whatever, right? Like uh, yeah. I think
1: it would be a great streaming service show where it's like a, a nice seven episode. Yeah. Show. Boom! Boom! Boom!
0: Half an hour. Where you can build characters, build things. I mean, look... And look what they've done with some of the, you know, weird... I don't want to say weird, but offbeat. I mean, The Boys is ultra-fucking-violent, right? mm mm-hmm. uh, But they can do it on Amazon, because that would never go in the theater, right? Right. It's because I think it's even too gross and violent for a theater, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, they could definitely do that with Destroyer Duck. Well, Destroyer Duck could do anything. But, yeah, I just... <laughs> I think the cool thing to think about, though, too, is that's why this had to sit at the point in time, too. Right. We get these five issues of Destroyer Duck and Eclipse uses it to launch their lines. Um, also, another independent publisher that we haven't mentioned was Pacific Comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where, not surprisingly, Mike Grell out of Portland, right, is doing his work. Right. And so mm-hmm. Grell gets fed up with DC. um, Star Slayer, the book he launched for Pacific, uh, yeah. was actually supposed to be launched by DC, kind of in a Warlord-esque type environment. It doesn't uh, make the joke. It's, it's a counterpoint to Warlord, right? It's a uh-huh. space adventure. But yeah. uh, no, they don't run it because uh, they don't run it because of the DC implosion. In the 70s, which you mentioned on the podcast.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, So it's uh, it's one of those things, too. So he publishes it independently, and that launches Grell in a long career of independent publishing, including doing John Sable for First and, and other things. So, yeah,
1: John Sable is uh, a pretty cool book if you haven't checked it out. I know we haven't talked about it on the podcast, but you and I have looked at issues before.
0: We might, because now, finally, I have the entire first omnibus and I have the second one coming from Kickstarter. Oh, that's, so that's cool. We may Thanks. read some John Sable. Uh, John Sable is also unique for having uh, one of the first regular gay characters in comics. Oh, I don't know what you're doing, but you sound like you're attacking your chair. I feel like I'm, you're, you're, I'm wrestling it. I'm, I'm
1: yeah. telling it who's bossed in. I'm like, oh, you chair, I'm going to give you the There's business.
0: literally just no way for me to cut out all the chair noise that's happening. Uh,
1: yeah, chair.
0: Oh, yeah. Are you done fighting the chair? So uh, the, back to the point. Yeah, we've got. A lot with Grell, of course. You know, you had Neil Adams trying to do his thing at the same time too. So we do get a lot. But I think, you know, looking at these books, Gerber should get a lot of credit. i mean, if not for this book, just for Gru too. And he doesn't get the credit for Gru, but, but and it's Gru's first appearances in the yeah. Gerber book. So
1: yeah, Sergio wouldn't. He's he like getting his chance to to do his thing.
0: Well, he gets the rub from being in the fundraising book for Gerber. Yeah. yeah. So it's and then Gru takes, you know, Gru. I don't want to say Gru takes off, but Gru is one of those books that it's almost like it never takes off, but it has massive longevity. So it like did a thing where Sergio could always have a job and always keep doing what he wanted for a long time.
1: Yeah. If it's not, if it's one of those things where it's like, oh, okay, cool. You don't want to you're you're drawing all this stuff for mad and you're like you're doing that and then oh hey you want to draw this like epic story line for a little while okay cool do that which i I have to say though it's like i mean the man like he would get on an airplane and just hammer out pages from new york to la who i mean that's just wild like i mean like and just like do a book (laughs)
0: <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know i can i can empathize with that because i just got back from a trip and I, I did a lot of writing on the plane
1: but but i mean like he would draw like he
0: would yeah draw. he's drawing the airplane yeah drawing that's, it is different
1: a book <laughs> like I just like wow i'm just reading some of these things that he's done i'm like wow Sergio is just like ah and also he's well on 747 so <laughs>
0: Well, we probably seats. should get back to we should yes. probably should get back to Destroyer Duck. But yes, Destroyer uh,
1: Duck.
0: You, you said you wanted to do some of the back and front matter. And so Buzz Dixon actually does a, an interview at the end of the Destroyer Duck uh, book as well. That's the guy who took over. Uh, we can do a couple notes from that toward the end. But I do yep, want to yep. cover the book as well. Yep. And we do get uh, a, one more note. We get a cover concept note uh, and. Gerber tells Jack Kirby something very horrific this time, Jack, both as a change of pace and to emphasize what will be the very serious nature of this issue story. But I don't want to tell you the rest because we want to cover the story. <laughs> but he told Jack Kirby to draw something very horrific. So we get to the original cover concept and it looks like a melting logo. Yeah. And we've got a duck with white eyes. Uh, and a gun. It's and like he is fleeing. Yeah,
1: it looks like everything's exploding around him.
0: <laughs> and then we get some cool unused panels because this series of books is amazing. Yeah. Uh, the one I do want to highlight because you probably know more about it than me because uh, I haven't gotten to Gerber's run <laughs> of the Defenders. So I read the Def- i have read the first Defenders Omnibus and I've got the second one sitting on the shelf, stacked up with all the things I need to read. Yeah. But. Uh, I I, don't, I didn't meet the elf with a gun yet. He hasn't appeared in my reading of, of Defenders. Tell me about this character. The
1: elf with a gun. So he's just like, you know, like a little maniacal elf that likes to just, you know, show up and just shoot people because he's an elf with a gun. It's kind of a messed up character. <laughs> and uh, um, uh, definitely, definitely one of those just an odd, odd things that you're like, what, who, what, why, why?
0: Is um, it just? It just is it just me, or did Jack Kirby draw him to look like Gerber?
1: <laughs> it kind of does have a very Gerber esque look. <laughs> uh, he does have a Gerber esque look um, to him, and that's that it, is funny. <laughs>
0: It would have been funny if, like, in the story, like, if if they really wanted to end the run, and I know they decided not to. They decided to release a couple more issues with a different creative team. (laughs) Uh, But he just comes in and kills Duke Duck at the end. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It would have been very meta, as they say today.
0: Yeah. Because it would be Gerber
1: killing his own creation as another one of his other creations that is actually doing more stuff That he's working on in the current time frame, because that's what he leaves this basically to go do is to continue his work with the defenders. Which oddly enough, I got into whole whole entire defenders conversation, which I've read a bunch of defender stuff, but not as much as this customer at the shop. And I was like, "Tell me more."
0: You are well. well, I'm gonna have to read some more defenders to catch up. Yeah. I think the fascinating thing, again, I don't want to get sidetracked on Defenders. I don't remember if I mentioned this on the podcast or to you in passing, but I discovered, like, Defenders... I've read the first few, couple, three issues of Avengers now. I feel like I said this on the podcast, so I'll keep it short. <laughs> but Defenders, like the original Avengers charter sort of was to fight outer space threats. Right. And then they become a different thing. And so they, Defenders yeah. comes, and that's their job. That's their job. So I didn't... And then, y- and not reading the... Yeah, I didn't know, right? I just never read it. And then it's
1: it's funny because then you've got so so then they then all of a sudden they start fighting like outer space stuff, but then it becomes more mystical and more earthbound. Like a, a good mix, but then all of a sudden then who fights who fights the outer space stuff? The first family, of course.
0: Right. So <laughs> it, Well, I always thought though, like if I was classifying um if the Fantastic Four weren't fighting real villains on Earth, they were fighting, like, uh, under the Earth or, like, other dimensions.
1: Yeah, yeah, other dimensions, of course.
0: So you had... Anyway, dimension. but but anyway, we could get lost onto this. What we have is Duke Duck, though, flying on an airplane, and he looks fucking pissed.
1: He's angry. He's mad. And, I mean... I, I would be, too, if I was flying on a plane with a drunk pilot.
0: <laughs> I'll also say, too, I think you're right. Like the Kirby art, there was a reference in the front matter of the Tomorrow's Publishing, the the graphite edition, uh, that Kirby's art was he was getting a little tired by this point yeah. and the delays. And he was older, right? It was just harder for him to draw. And I do the faces for the duck. Do get rounder in this issue? Yeah. Oh, they're um, just like... <laughs> and the pencils are a bit looser than they yeah. were in the first four issues.
1: Yeah, the first couple of issues are super tight. And this issue is, it's, it's very, like, I, I'm not saying, like, it's there. The Kirby art in the first couple of issues is just so wild. And in this issue, it's like, oh, I'm drawing a face. Okay, here you go. Face, one, two, three, four.
0: Faces! And, <laughs> and part of that, of course, was, part of that was Kirby... Um, just he's just older and he was yeah. also and waiting. Uh, and he was also doing a lot of cartoon work at the time, too. So he's probably just tired. Yeah, uh, the they do change. Uh, Kirby changes the tagline at the top. So you'll remember we we had the man slaying Mallard before at the top. But now we get Destroyer Duck feathered furry in the heat of the Holocaust, uh, which uh, should give you an implication about what's going to happen in the issue. If you remember that GodCorp was making a nuclear bomb for. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oakum, oh, yeah. 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 Well, anyway, uh, we get a first page, and it's we're back to having Cherry and Brad, who Brad make. He, I think this is, this is his line in the in the uh, in the whole book, right? The wind up the pitch the yaw, uh, and that's it. I don't know what he's referencing. Uh,
1: I don't know if that's him or if that's the pilot up in the
0: front. Oh, that's the pilot. Yeah, it's the pilot brad doesn't i don't think that brad says anything
1: he's brad doesn't brad is a a a a limp noodle
0: he's a loose end that gerber didn't need to tie up (laughs) he
1: is like we watched this movie the other day where there was an extra kid in the family and it was like why did you want why did you write another kid in this family you could have done fine with just one child
0: Hey, in the story I'm writing, you told me to cut out a whole character.
1: I, when you have extra characters, like Brad could have just like disappeared into the background in the last issue and we didn't need to bring him along to hook him. Yeah, I that's I, fair. I think I think honestly, sometimes you just there are there are sometimes where extra characters are just just too. What what if they don't if they don't give us any reason at any if they don't move the story along, then why are they there?
0: Well, the whole point of the first three pages here is for Duke to speculate on whether or not uh, the little guy is still alive. Mm
1: -hmm. What if he's alive?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. And they do talk and to remind us that Cherry Jubilee is still, you know, worried about the whole company right, and how it interacts with things. But in her sister. But that's it. I mean, cool action, though. I, yeah. I, I don't want to just discount the pages. We it, get cool art. It's,
1: it's some cool. I like the the nose down aircraft
0: flying down into the ground. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the third page. I was about to get to you. I think the 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 faces have have suffered a little bit, but I think the background art and everything is going on. And of course, we'll get some Kirby crackle later. So, yeah, yeah. Never fear. Never fear. It, it, it will happen. Kirby well, we fear. have the we Pablo, the drunk pilot, has got the plane in a nosedive. And then as that plane is in a nosedive. We're going to flash to a rather alive uh General Abouk, who I really thought was shot and killed last I
1: week. thought so, too.
0: Yeah, so hey. that surprised me. Everything else around him is dead. He was the first one shot. So maybe he's just injured. He is on the ground. And he's, yeah. he's screaming at Pakmani from the the Hokum Liberation Front. And I want to tell you right now that I'm going to spend more time talking about this because until now it wasn't clarified. But in this issue, they very clearly make this a, an analog for Iran. Uh, In the Uh 70s, and it is not related at all Uh in their storytelling to what's going on in the Middle East currently. Not at all. Not at all. But I danced around that until it was clarified here. And it was very abrupt. It was very much clarified in the story. So (laughs) I will drop some knowledge bombs about Jimmy Carter and the Shaw as we go through this. too. So we'll we'll get into that. Uh, But. Uh, and there were a couple of things that made more sense to me uh, as I went back and read them, too. So I'll try to re- re- Don't let me forget to mention a couple of those things as we go through. Uh, but basically, uh, we have a discussion and the general is is very upset and we get to he he doesn't know about the Cogburns. And so he gets to, to find out about them from Ned yeah. and uh, and Jewel uh, Cherry and. Vanilla's mom. Mm-hmm. Should I say Biol and Opal?
1: Yes.
0: Biol, Bio and Opal. And uh <coughs> and anyway, the general sees for the first time the the spine coming out of uh one of the cogburns. They learn all about it. And yeah. we get a just clarification on the whole situation. And cause Jewel's asking all these questions now about it, and they they remind us, no Jewel. It's corporate creativity, the same creativity that turned your daughter's glandular secretions into a billion dollar market. This is referring to creating the Cogburns marketing concept. When things look bleak as jewel, have faith in God Corp. This company is capable of anything. And that's coming as from Ned Packer. So there we go. Uh, It's have faith in God Corp and everything will be okay. Yeah. Now, the book does take a turn here because they're out. They don't have any more of the Kirby pencil photography. <laughs> so now we go to the inked pages, but they still look cool. They look and great. I actually, I actually like it when we get a little bit of this transcript, histor- uh, transition historically too, to kind of see the loose pencils and then see how they're yeah. inked. Right. And plus we get some more c- creepy wobblina later. So. Oh,
1: creepy wobblina.
0: It's... Well, now we get to Switzerland and we're all talking and we're back to, was it Upwind? I mess up yeah. his name. Upwind. And we find out and they basically pack up the nuclear bomb and put it on a plane. Yeah. And Wobblina starting to turn the corner on this. <laughs> what she's working <laughs> for. She's like, he's gone mad. He's willing to blow off an entire export market for short term gain. It, basically, they want to blow up the entire and. Uh, that's her reaction, by the way, to learning that they're probably they might blow up, uh, you know, Hokum on accident. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not we're gonna kill a bunch of people. It's in he's gone insane. He's not managing the company properly. That's yeah. her reaction. <laughs> yeah, freaking fantastic. Well, we've got this crew headed off to Hokum and with with the with the nuclear bomb, mm-hmm. and yeah, there we go. So they're about to bring a b- bomb to a general. That and then normal. we're back, <laughs> we're back in the Bowery in New York. Oh. And hey, lo and behold, our friend the lawyer, destroyer lawyer, <laughs> never destroyer lawyer. Is here. I'm very excited. Uh he apparently had an ejector seat in his car when the cogburns blew it up. And so uh the cogburn says, You, but how? He says, object. Question is vague and ambiguous. Ha <laughs> ha. And then he said, the cogburn says or then he says, but off the record, the law mobile was equipped with an ejector seat. And then Cogburn says, I'll eject your ass for that, shyster. And the the destroyer lawyer says, Object irrelevant argument. It argumentative assumes facts not in evidence and possibly slanderous. I ought to slap you with an ejection, but this will do for now. And then he hits the cogburn. He says, How does yeah. my boot have to inter interlineate your face? Or did I get some answers? These were the two pages that Buzz Dixon did, uh, and he was very proud of his cheesy lawyer dialogue. It, it is
1: it is funny.
0: <laughs> and that wraps up our friend the lawyer's uh, at least uh, arc in this story.
1: Right. So he's
0: alive and everything's okay, and he took out the Cogburn that was left in New York. So meanwhile, on Air Parangus, uh, we're flying out of the sky very rapidly, uh, but they managed to... Get us close to Pakmani, and we're about to get introduced to Pakmani, who's holding a very scared looking vanilla cupcake. Yeah. And he starts talking about all of his hatred for capitalism and the infidels and everything. And she says, Gollywogs, hi, Mr. Pakmani. I'm happy to meet you. And then we meet Pakmani, and it is, well, a Pac Man with a turban. Yeah. <sighs> uh this was messed up and disturbing was it though it really was not what i was expecting
1: i mean was it was it not what you were expecting
0: uh, no it, you it didn't get not. mr pacmani
1: from no th- that's who he'd be when, when no they introduced him early
0: on no i and, did not and the ghost face masks that they were wearing i did not no i thought it was a allu- I'm too much of a historical nerd. I'm sorry. I wasn't thinking pop culture. I was thinking of, like, the, like, classic, like, fighting units from, like, uh, <laughs> no, I think DC and early AD. Yeah, no, I, I think that's they, what they were referencing. Yeah, no, I, I'm pretty sure they
1: lifted a little of this, a little of that overlaid it with a little pop culture references here and there to give you what we have in front of us, Mr. Pakmani and his ghost
0: units. Well, I will highlight a couple of things on this page because we do get the direct link to what was going on in Iran in the 70s, so... He says, you see, I know your country well. My father, Ayatollah Yasso, chief religious counsel to the hated Shah of Hokum, arranged for me to be educated there in the United States. He's referencing. Uh, but to my father's chagrin, I align myself not with America's oppressive establishment, but with its plighted minorities and with its students who rebelled against their government's imperialist warmongering policies. So he is there during the Vietnam War and he doesn't like what America is doing. So he's trying to stick up for his country, supposedly, is, is what his argument is. And he's down with the imperialists. And uh, before we get into the next really disturbing page, uh, if you if you, if you didn't know. So in the 70s, the Iran was ruled by a king, so to speak. Right. The Shah. Uh-huh. So it was a, it was a monarchy. And the Shah got sick uh, with cancer and could not uh, hold, you know, established rule in the government. Uh, As the Shah got sick, uh, the students in Iran started protesting and uh, the Shah was not able to hold power. So the Shah had to leave uh, the country, I believe, in seventy seven. But as far as this is concerned, getting the exact dates aren't as important. Um, and that's how the Ayatollah came to power and you had the new regime in Iran that overthrew the monarchy. Mm-hmm. So one of the things about that is uh, Western countries were supporting the Shah because they wanted to maintain their rights to their, their oil imports, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so that's where you get a situation where the you know, entire country of Iran, say, like hates the United States and is protesting in the embassy. <laughs> And just one more piece to this, and I'll pick it up. So 1979, you have the Iranian hostage crisis, right, where the hostages are held. Uh, Carter tries to send some helicopters in to rescue them. They're shot down. And sorry, they captured the, the students, captured the embassy, right, mm-hmm. the American embassy. So the everybody in the embassy was being held hostage. Carter tries to rescue them with a military uh, assault. It, it fails. And now you're plunged in negotiations. And one of the reasons that they were so frustrated with the United States is the Shah went several different places. Uh, but Jimmy Carter let the Shah come to the United States for his late stage cancer treatment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And which, from a political standpoint, was a very big mistake because the folks of Iran saw us as holding their oppressor and letting him come here. So that is one of the things that sparked the outrage. Right. Right. And, and the taking of the embassy. Uh, and if you followed U.S. politics, you know that the day Reagan comes into office is the day hmm. they release the hostages. Hmm. Not the day he's elected, but the day he assumes office. So they were not going to do anything that Jimmy Carter wanted between Carter's decision to let the Shah come to the United States for treatment and obviously the military assault that was botched. Interesting. Interesting. And so I do want to bring this up. I bring it all up just to tie this back. So I've got ai I love it because I have a bigger historical link here. Now, mm-hmm. what goes on in the next page? I've got no fucking idea. What do you mean? Uh, him eating the the Uh-oh. human body pellets.
1: Because he's Pac-Man. Yeah. He's Pac-Mani. But I was yeah. going to say with the... With the whole destroying of the um, uh, destroying of all the arcade machines and stuff like that, that is a throwback to the of the time because they were they were definitely in in that in that country at the time when they yeah. were destroying all Western things, uh, in the the late seventies early eighties.
0: Well, they specifically they specifically, and I I would say destroying all Western things. Like I would say distancing from religion. Uh, yeah the west right yeah yeah so things like
1: this
0: (laughs) yeah and in this case in this world uh the shah and the the ayatollah his father are murdered by him and he eats Mm -hmm. them yeah 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 and he has his cooks grind up the meat and he eats meat human meatballs yeah literally in in a maze to devour the culture right the corrupt culture so like to your point that is a complete destruction uh, but and it was more of a distancing. I mean, oil comes into play, too. Right. When you look at the oil trade that happened in the original setting, uh, you've got also control of. Right. So you had British, you know, you have British imperial power coming in and messing with the whole Middle Eastern region. Right. And mm-hmm. after World War Two, we literally just drew lines through the Middle East. Yeah. Even before that. Right. I right. Don't say just After World War Two. But literally. World uh, War One. Be more specific. Yeah, I yeah. said World War Two, but after World War One, um, when you have the breakup of the Persian Empire, and you're just <laughs> they're just literally drawing lines. The Ottoman, yeah, or the Ottoman Empire, per, yeah. yeah. But you, they're just literally drawing lines in the, lines. I almost said lines in the sand, which sounds almost incredibly racist, right? But they're literally drawing lines, and and arbitrarily. Countries, and so well, I, I mean, there's other things that are consequences of this too, right? So I'm right. going to talk about Armenian genocide right now and things like that. So I don't want to get too far off into the weeds, but, uh, but. you know, it was more than just the... It, I just want to emphasize, it was more than just Jimmy Carter bringing the shot to the United States that led to the to the hatred. But that mm-hmm. was like the cherry on top, right? It's like, right. um, you know, here we are... Uh, separating ourselves, taking back our own land, our oil, etc., and then you're going to allow our oppressor to come to your country for you know treatment. Yeah. Uh, but Pakmani
1: was on his n- hands and knees. He traveled the halls, praising <laughs> to eat. Wow. Well, and bring new order. Yeah.
0: What we do get is Steve Gerber just going nuts with the storyline and uh, having Pakmani eat a meat maze. Yes. And we get the ghosts putting. The ghosts are actually putting out the pellets, which is funny. Do you, do you see that they're the ghost from the oh, game? Oh, I do now. Yeah, it makes sense now. <laughs> It's on page one thirty-one, by the way, of where they're laying out the mage. You know, in a book that has page numbers, it's really easy to let the listeners know where to go uh, to find you, things.
1: You know, one of the things that we delight our 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 readers with in the book start in the Starlight series is that you. Get to enjoy finding where those pages are on your own. I see. Well. It's one of the things that Travis and I have given to that, the readers.
0: That that is definitely one way to look at it. Like well, we, after after we find out the origin of Pac Money and and I guess the other point too that they that Gerber drives home is he's immune to the influence of vanilla cupcake.
1: Oh, because he's a Pac Mani.
0: Well, because vanilla cupcake represents the West and capitalism, yes, right? yes, so
1: yeah, he does. It. He's he's pushed that away. He's refused
0: it. He's refuted it. So he doesn't have any. There's not a part of him for her pheromones to influence to get him. He also has about. no nose. Right. He also has no nose, but he He has has his he has his his human meat pellets to consume. So he doesn't need to consume things from the West, right? He's destroying things from the West, like you said, and then eating those. He's not interested in consumption and thus is immune to her superpower.
1: He's three children in a in a trench coat with a Pac-Man head with a (laughs) turban. And then it's, we it's get creepy when he's on the ground and it's just like like naked arm body hands and feet and then just a, like human human body stuff. And then
0: oh, it's, it's, it. a, it's 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 a, a lot little... creepy. It's a lot. I mean, creepy. He's, he's eating human hamburger or meatballs like it's it's <laughs> super meat. creepy. Miles. It's really gross. Uh, so um, that's why I want to sprinkle in a little bit of the history context for people, too. But, you know, hey. Uh, You can keep focusing on the gross. That's fine. I get it. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Well, sorry. Why are you apologizing? You're focusing on what you like is human meatballs. And in fact, if you (laughs) order. (laughs) No, 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 no,
1: no. You you put that away. Stop that. There's no human meatballs. Okay.
0: I'll, I'll stop. So. Uh, we get uh, the, the crew with the nuclear bomb landing in Hokum and they turn it over to the general and we find out. And Wobblina continues to uh, question what's going on.
1: Wobblina! Strangle eggs. Yeah,
0: strangle it. Yeah. And Ms. Strangle legs. Yes. Strangle. And she finds out that it's ten, the bomb is ten times more powerful than they thought it was. And they're turning it over to basically a dictator. Uh, and yeah, so well, a dictator, yeah. So there we go. And she is concerned. She says, "So this is where it all leads. Grab it all, drain it all, and die." <laughs> Someone has to stop this madness before Upwind destroys GodCorp and all of us with it. So hey, she's
1: she's got a conscience.
0: While well, Air Parangus has landed and some ghosts are going down, Duke's not uh, super impressed with uh, the ghost troops and. They get inside the mosque very quickly. That would be Cherry and Duke. And they're ready to take out some Pakmani. Then we get to the next page. And all of a sudden, Ms. Stranglelegs, Strangle Stranglelegs, has gone uh, against the company now. And she starts attacking everybody on the plane, trying to secure the nuclear weapon.
1: <laughs>
0: and she Strangle says, legs. I gotta dance. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs>
1: Such a it's it, it so this this I love this panel. It's it's such a good panel.
0: It's creepy, yeah to say the least.
1: That's why I like it. Yeah,
0: and Wobblina dances her way right into launching a bullet through the fuselage. Oh no! And the plane's gonna go down now. It's been depressurized. So <sighs> All right. well, now we get back to the fight with uh. With Cherry and Duke going in after Pacmani, and they seem to have no problem dispatching the mighty Ghost Army, who yeah, are making up the meatballs. And Pacmani's is <laughs> about to make some uh, some some vanilla cupcake meatballs, mm-hmm. but they put a stop to that and kill everybody. Cap uh, save cupcake and she says beryl is that you and now we start going by opal and Baril pretty much for the rest of the story they change from cherry and vanilla to their names for the most part which yeah. i also find fascinating because pacmani was trying to like destroy western culture right Mm -hmm. But in liberating Vanilla from that, now she's gone back to Opal and her sister sort of pulls them out of, like, Western capitalist culture. It's a weird sort of critique, right? Like, you, the argument of who's doing it correctly, I guess, maybe? Yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly we don't want head-chopper-off guy to win. But at the same point, I mean, it's... It's... Uh... Yeah, but Duke's is. gonna hold Pokmoni at gunpoint, so yeah, yeah. It, there's a lot of violence to get here. I'm not, I'm yeah. not sure who is right, but basically he holds Pokmoni hostage, <laughs> tells his troops he'll blow his head off, and there we go. Well, just a moment later, we have the plane flying at the same time, I should say. Yes. Yeah. the plane is flying, and 20 miles east, uh, the jet streaks on a collision course with the city's tallest building, which. <gasps> Could really mess some things up, but we find out the general has actually already detonated the bomb, and boom, uh, the capital city Hokum is is gone. It's gone. (laughs) We get uh, some Kirby crackle and clouds, and yeah, we don't have a city anymore. It's wild. We have some burnt up Cogburns. Yeah, (laughs) heads flying through the sky. And uh, we get the comment, in under a minute, Hokum has been uh, reduced to something less than ruins. And fortunately, uh, during that sequence, uh, the Duke and Cherry and our Duke and Beryl and Opal and Pablo. And I assume oh, and Brad's there, too.
1: Hey, Brad's still around.
0: Down. Wow. Brad's laying down on the plane. He's just chilling out. Uh, Lucky, have dude. made it back to the plane. And we get sort of the interaction now that uh, to the resolution between uh, Opal and Beryl, but vanilla slash opal <laughs> says, Mama was in the city, uh, Beryl and and uh, Pook face, I guess Poop Face, Pook Face, I don't know, yeah. Park, Parker or two. Uh, does that mean they're dead? And Beryl says, probably. And she's like really like dead forever. And she's like, I didn't want mama to die. I hated her and all. And I wish she was dead, but not like really dead, you know, just sort of dead. <laughs> what am I going to do now? Uh, Will they put me in an orphanage or what. And Brill says, well, she'll take care of, of her without the TM. So she's basically making the argument. She says that God Corp has been terminated. Your contract with God Corp has been terminated. So she's liberating her from. So we had a country that was trying to liberate itself from the West. Yeah. But she's trying to liberate her from the. company, and and this is the whole end of the story arc, right? So uh, Gerber has won his lawsuit. I don't know that the creator of uh, Strawberry Shortcake had won her lawsuit yet, but it's about the right time frame for it.
1: About the right time frame. I don't... I honestly think, like, I mean, she's... (sighs) I think she's in one of those situations where... (laughs) if you search her out and you go find her on Facebook and yeah. you find her on the internet, go buy something from her because she, but
0: she it. had won the rights at, not won The right She did not, a, she did not win the rights, but she right, won a not the proceeds at this point. It, it
1: was a, um, yeah. um, payment. It was it, because the way that it was worded. Yeah. It, some sort of, <clears throat> some sort of payment for the production of stuff but not anywhere near what it should have
0: been. <laughs> right. And so, uh, but the liberation of her nonetheless too. So it's the yeah. argument in the story, at least this story. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Yeah. And so now we get a uh, flash to the last page several days later, upwind Packer, strangle Egg's all dead. They were all aboard the plane that carried the bomb uh, Duke. And so was Mrs. Mudge. And so we know that. And then, oh. Our Destroyer Lawyer is back. I'm probably calling him the wrong thing, but I I like Destroyer Lawyer. So Destroyer Lawyer. uh, The board of directors is dismantling the conglomerate, liquefying the assets to raise the cash. And then it's going to be, and Duke says, then it's going to be practically impossible to track down the answer I need. Is the little guy alive or not? And that's where we leave it. So we get one story arc ends, and -hmm. they offer the next one, Zombies in Paradise. Don't, uh, Mm -hmm. Don't miss Destroyer Duck number six. Hey. And that's where we get the afterwards with with Buzz Dixon, who mentions he got to write six and seven. But we don't have six and seven because we just have the ones that Gerber and Kirby did. So I said we were going to do an issue six, but we're not. We're going to stop liar. with issue issue five. Yeah, Dan's a liar. But that just moves me to move on I, to I, other I'm, stuff. Here. I am normally a liar. That's, no, you should just never trust me. I don't trust you. I, but, I haven't trusted I haven't trusted you since since we were we were young boys, Dan. Well, that sounds creepy as hell. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's uh, I haven't I haven't trusted but you. But we're you we're say, we're, since we're since done with said. the grab it. I'm just moving on from that. So we're done with the, <laughs> the grab it all, own it all, drain it all storyline, and that's that's we're that's done that's with the Packers.
1: Weird. So it's it's out of
0: it's yeah uh-huh that's what happens when you go down weird places that you shouldn't so we're all good and i i this was a lot that's of fun is awesome yeah uh no. i i think and i think it fits best you know i would uh obviously it would need some changing but i'd rather watch a destroyer duck movie than a howard the duck hey, movie again
1: you know i mean like if they did if if, if in all honesty if they, they decided they're gonna like like hey we have decided that we are going to make this thing a thing. I would be right there. Like whatever streaming service, if I had to go and rebuy something or <clears throat> re up a subscription or whatever, I mean, for this, yeah, I would do it. If it was like, Oh, Hey, this movie's coming out. I'd buy a ticket, whatever, because honestly, it's, it, it is a fun, it's a fun book. It's a fun story. It's an interesting idea. Uh, It's a neat um, look at how businesses do things. And when you get angry enough people, what they how their responses are.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, is a nice uh, way for Gerber to tell his story in a weird sort of way through somebody else's story. Right. He focuses more on the strawberry shortcake story than he does his
1: own. That's yeah, a good critique, and it, it is a nice way to throw a couple of things out there that are socially and 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 I definitely like, you know, culturally relevant. So, or well, that's
0: I was going to say, and that about wraps up this. So next week uh, you'll get some alpha dogs or next episode next week, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You'll get some alpha dogs number four. So Sweet. we'll go back to that and then uh, we'll decide what we're going to do from there. And uh, I'm I'm excited to branch out and learn some more stuff. I've got a couple ideas, but <gasps> Dan has he, ideas. Be careful. let does have ideas. Well, this this will come out uh, this. You'll be listening to this on the on. Let's see the 13th. That would mean uh, it looks like we'll get on the 20th. You'll get some alpha dogs. So maybe we'll do a Christmas something that what? releases on the 27th. Oh wow! <clears throat> it could happen. Is so, it gonna
1: be? Oh, what, I, 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 there's too many different Christmas books out there.
0: Well, maybe it'll just be us talking in the retro emporium. Oh, oh, I opening guess. Christmas presents. Oh, <laughs> and talking about a Christmas book, of course. You, you uh, of way. Uh, what is your grumpiness about? Uh, Christmas? Bah humbug. Okay, well, that's kidding, but that's fine. <laughs>
1: I'm well, just hey, joking. well, let's I'm joking.
0: wrap this. Let's wrap this up. So next week, Alpha Dogs, uh, the yes. week got some sort of Christmas thing, and we will uh, move on from there. Of course, as you'll know, as you know, on mm-hmm. March something, Greg has a book coming out with Little yes. Brown Publishing. A Subsidiary of Hachette, who is a subsidiary of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, our our our
1: PR team is the uh, Ironhorn Epic Productions and uh, and company, and uh, yeah, Mike Tanner and do I we have the camp, or absolute zeros
0: camp launchpad. <laughs> do we know yeah. how? Do we know if people can order this for comic shops yet?
1: uh so i believe uh when i say like when i when i reached out to some places because it's still uh still a little early i don't think they can actually put a pre-order in for bookstores or comic shops until the end of this month okay so december so end of december do we know like
0: uh, what January. list it will be on or anything like that i was
1: just curious. i don't know okay, cool, well, the, the coolest it's gonna be on the cool list.
0: Now. I have a link for you in the show notes and I've been putting a link in our post. So if you want to pre-order that bad boy, you will pre-order that book. And of course, with every copy comes an MXPX CD (laughs) and they all smell like vanilla cupcakes.
1: They, yeah, they do. They do. We got a really nice review. Somebody, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure once our, once our PR team, uh, we're meeting with them next week, but they, um, they kicked us over this really nice review that, that we had um, submitted. So I was like, oh wow, that's very nice.
0: Okay. So why haven't I gotten a pre copy so I can write a nice review?
1: Because you're not you're not on their list. I don't have any control over it, dude.
0: I, <laughs> I wish You're that, killing me. I I I I with my with our one listener, we are clearly <laughs> members of the esteemed comic book media. Considering the fact that
1: I couldn't talk about this 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 book series for five years, um, that's fair. <laughs> and the the double irony is like when people are like, "I've just been waiting for Junior Braves three to come out." and Now you are just giving me a whole entire other book series. <laughs> I'm Sorry, people, I have no control over how things work in publishing. It's just like I I'm, I'm, I'm I I have ideas. I put them out there, and I both the, both, sure, both are ri- both are written. Both are written. And it's just a matter of when when publishers put them out. I I can't. I have no control over it. So. <laughs>
0: well, good news is, like we said, you can pre-order uh, Absolute Zeros, yeah. Camp Launchpad, and there'll be a link in the media in the show notes if you want to uh, get one more uh, mm-hmm. Tanner and Smith special or Smith Tanner and Tanner Smith. special. Yeah. And, however, uh, however that works, yeah. and I y- you'll appreciate it. It'll be fun. So. Cool. And uh, I don't think I don't have anything else to promote, I don't think, except maybe like the Retro Emporium in Kent, Washington. Uh, and you could also obviously frequent uh, certified martial arts if you're in the Tacoma area and you want to learn to be as powerful as Strangle Legs. Oh, yeah. Strangle Legs. I bet you she does know jujitsu. She might. Uh, and however... Paul Boudreau, the Jiu-Jitsu lawyer, would help you understand how to take out strangle legs because he specializes in reaping, which is grabbing people's legs and neutralizing them. So you know, watch out.
1: You, you might tell be able to, to take fear out the reaper.
0: Some legs. Yeah, he would tell you to fear the reaper. <laughs> uh in addition, uh I, I think that's all of our big uh promos right now. So yeah. uh we will say things are coming as far as uh the realignment of the network, but like I said, our feed's not going in here, but We may be trying to link some uh, different podcasts together, and I look forward to sharing that with you as it happens in the future. But I have no updates for you now. But look out, uh, you know, if you if you listen to our podcast and you like us, we may have some other folks to share with you. Whoa. Other podcasts that Greg is on. What's that? Is that (laughs) I'm not going to say what it is right now. I, oh, okay. I just told the listeners uh, this is why I can't this is why people like you more than me for first why? off. Why? I just told them I'm not going to talk about it right now. Oh, and then you're oh. like, oh, aren't you gonna tell them what the name is? No, Uh-oh. I am not, because we're gonna share this after we Lady. confirm things. Oh, what yeah. we're just talking about about contracts and confirmations oh, and stuff. Yeah. Plus anticipation. Come back next yeah. week and find out. You just try to give it all away at once, and that's why people love you.
1: That's right. I mean, well, because I I try to be the sun raw of things. I can't help myself.
0: Well, that's it. <laughs> Done. I, I I can't top that. We're gone. It's it's over. <laughs> Podcast over. Uh, we will see you next week for some alpha dogs. Bye. Bye.